Welcome to the FitPro Podcast, a brand new initiative from FitPro for forward-thinking professionals who want the latest information while on the move. We hope you enjoy this week's pod, and for further information about today's podcast, head over to our social media pages and start the conversation. And to offer feedback and suggestions for future podcasts, get in touch with us at publish at fitpro.com. Hi guys, uh, I'm Olivia Hubbard, the editor of FitPro magazine. Thank you for joining the FitPro podcast. Today I will be chatting to physiotherapist Liam Rogers. It's great to have you with us, Liam. Perhaps you can begin by introducing yourself and telling us a bit about your background. Hi guys, thanks for the introduction, Olivia. So yeah, my name is Liam Rogers. I'm the senior physiotherapist and physiotherapist manager of 10 Health and Fitness at Hatton Garden. So I am an Australian. As you can hear, I grew up over in Australia. I did all my training at UQ and then my postgrad studies over there as well. I've been over in the UK for three years now and have done most of my training in outpatients. So I kind of have a kind of long and complex history with running. I grew up as a swimmer and then so transitioning to running and more land-based activities wasn't the easiest. I was plagued by lots of different injuries as I was running all the way through high school and university. So foot problems, knee pain, back pain when I was trying to sleep at night. And I'd seen lots of different sports physiotherapists who gave me really great tips and tricks on how to try and get better for those individual problems. But no one was really able to put my puzzle together and really solve it. So it wasn't until I graduated university and started practicing and seeing more people and doing more research for myself that I was able to put my puzzle piece together. And um, thankfully, now at a point where I'm able to run pain-free without injury for as long as I want, it might not be as far as my clients, but for someone who was having so many issues, I think it's quite an achievement that I've been able to do that. And so that's why I kind of specialize today in treating runners and getting even just the recreational runner to the high level marathon runner, getting them in. I really love having a look at their whole picture and being able to put their puzzle piece together to get someone running more efficiently and more effective. Great. And obviously, you know, a lot of our listeners will be taking up running. It's the new year. It's January. Liam, so what happens to a runner's form when, when glutes aren't activated enough? And what is the purpose of activated glutes when running? Okay, so I might just quickly cover the glute anatomy and then we'll have a look at yeah, what the glutes then actually do through the running cycle. So with your glutes, you've got your glute max. That's a big bulky part of your bottom and it does your hip extension. So as that leg's coming down underneath, it's the big thing that's meant to contract and give us that forward propulsion. You also then have your glute med and your glute min. So that upper outside part of your buttock and their role is to abduct the leg and a degree of external rotation. So abduct means take the leg away. So they're looking at that more side-to-side movement of the pelvis and the leg with that glute max looking at the backwards way. So if someone's not activating them enough, we do start to see a lot of issues. So what I'll go through now is the running technique and the way they're going to work and then how people can look at their own technique and identify some issues that might suggest that they've got those faulty glutes. So as your leg swinging through, you've got your glute max. It's actually designed to slow down that forward momentum of the knee. It then turns into a contraction where it starts to bring that leg back down. So whether someone's a hind foot or a forefoot striker, it doesn't really matter too much. That glute's going to contract, hopefully, and bring that leg down underneath and push them through. 
you then have your glute mid and min, and they've got a bit more of a role to do with that side-to-side movement, so controlling the pelvis but also the hip as well. So when that foot strikes, again, it doesn't really matter whether they're heel or foot-foot strike. When it strikes, that glute mid contracts to stop the opposite hip dropping down. Okay, so it's designed to keep that hip up so that swing leg's got that nice momentum to come through without the toes clipping the ground. In relation to the hip, though, it's also designed to have that external rotation of the abduction component, so keeping that knee turned out and making sure that it's tracing over the foot. So if someone's got some issues with their glutes, so if it's their glute max, what we'll typically find is the hamstrings and the calf start to work a little bit more. So they start to get a bit of a vertical propulsion with their running as that calf pushes them up and down. And they might feel like they've got quite high knees at the front. So they need to use their quads and their hip flexors to lift that leg to bring it forward because they're not getting that hip extension. So that's a kind of common flaw that we'll see with someone who's not using their glute max as much. If it's the glute med where they're having instability or issues, you start to see that pelvis wobble side to side. They look a little bit like the speed walkers. Okay, so that muscle doesn't really activate. The hip on that swing leg drops down, and then it so becomes harder for that swing knee to come forward. If perhaps their pelvis might be stable and it's actually an instability of their control of the leg, we start to see a dynamic knee valgus. So that knee starts to collapse down in towards the midline, and they might be overpronating through the foot. Okay, so if someone's running, they might start to have a few knock knees or they feel like their feet are clipping. Okay, that foot can come right across to midline as they strike. So that's an indicator for us that that glute med isn't functioning as much as it should be or they're just not using it as much as they should. So, Liam, what recent studies have been conducted which suggest faulty glutes are associated with particular injuries and what are those injuries? So there have been quite a number of recent studies which do show a positive correlation between glute weakness and lots of different injuries. So one of the best ones that I read lately, they followed a team of football players around for one and a half seasons, and they found that those that didn't have a hamstring injury had a higher core and gluteal strength. Unfortunately, the limitation is that those are studies that have a very specific sample size. So as soon as we start looking at studies that have a much broader population or a systematic review of all the evidence out there, there's a lot more variance within the results. So Semchi and his team in Australia, they did a systematic review on glute med strength and looked at multiple different lower limb injuries. And they only found a significant correlation between glute med weakness and patellofemoral pain in female runners. And then interestingly, Barton and his team, who are also out of Australia, and I'm trying not to be too biased with my research here, but they also looked at glute strength and a number of lower limb injuries, and unfortunately, they couldn't find any significant correlation between the two. So if you then have a look at all of them, the one thing that they do suggest, though, that can have a positive and immediate influence on someone's symptoms is actually looking at biomechanical retraining or gait retraining. And if you speak to any good clinician or any running physio, what we'll kind of say is that the glutes are just one individual part of a whole chain. And so we need to be looking at how that person actually uses their glute strength as a part of their whole biomechanical chain. So whatever glute strength they have, is that enough if we can just get them using it more effectively?
Great. And, and in your opinion, then, do you think this area of strength training is addressed enough? And what other, what other training areas would you say have been of predominant focus? So if you ask most runners, they will understand the importance of having good glute strength and being able to use that in their running. But unfortunately, not many people actually then do that or go out and seek that strength training. I would say that strength training and this accessory work as a whole, though, is something that's quite lacking within the running community. Most people come in more kind of just stretch after their runs or before their runs or they'll go to gym once and twice a week and either do a foam rolling session or a stretching session. And they see that as their way of avoiding injury instead of trying to actually do some of this strength training to work on the weaknesses that they already have. And what are some of the tests that you use when assessing a client's glutes? And I guess for the PTs listening out there, you know, they might be wondering what some of the signs are and what the PT can look for. Yep. So when I'm testing someone's glutes and even when I'm training other physios, I kind of use the same series of tests. And regardless of the person's strength or capabilities, whether they're a professional marathon runner or they're just a social fun run on the weekend, I try and take them through this same series to give them and show them exactly what kind of level of strength and control they should have for their body to be able to run in an effective way. So starting off just on two feet, the easiest way is just get them to transfer their weight onto one leg and just have a look just with that simple movement, how well they actually control their body. So is there any pelvic tilting or shifting? Has their knee and their thigh already started collapsing? Are they controlling through their foot? We'll then take them through a single leg squat. So standing on the one leg, just going down into a small squat, doesn't need to be too deep and coming back up. And just having a look there at how they actually use and recruit their body and what muscles are they mainly looking at. So what happens here, most people kind of just sink their knee forward, their trunk stays upright and they stand back up. So they're a bit of a knee bias or a quad bias with their movement. So what we'll do then is ask them and show them how to do it in a good way. So sitting into the heel and sticking the bottom out so we're recruiting that glute and using that hip a bit more. And what we're looking for there is, one, can they actually do that new movement in a good way? So they're just a biomechanical flaw, or do they actually have a weakness in their body where they physically can't do it in that good form? And we need to be doing that isolated strength work to improve their control. So from that single leg squat, I then take them into a jumping squat. So we start to make it a little bit more dynamic. The reason why we're doing the squat mainly is just to teach them how to land, okay? From there, we take it onto a single leg hop, and this is the most effective way to have a look at someone's ability to control their own body weight in a dynamic way. Because running is a single leg dynamic activity, this is the closest thing that replicates that. So standing on one leg, going down into that same single leg squat that we did earlier, small little hop up off the ground, and then coming back down and looking at how well they control that landing. And often this is the one test that really shows where people's weaknesses and imbalances come out. So if it was a PT or a friend or something, and they were at the gym and they wanted to have a look uh, whether they've got faulty glutes or not, I would kind of go through those same similar things. So a single leg squat or a hop, okay, to have a look at that control. 
some of the easy signs, though, are that if someone's knee is coming further forward than the tips of their toes or the heel comes off the ground, then they're kind of just landing in and using the quads to control. So that type of person, after they do a leg workout, starts to have a lot of tension through their knees, some pain and stiffness down through the front of the thigh because the quads are doing all the work and they're not using the knee and the hip together. So that's probably the easiest way that a PT can have a look or an individual person can have a look is, yeah, how far forward are their knees going? Are they controlling their hip as they land? And where do they have stiffness and tension after they do a workout? Great. Thank you so much, Liam. That's some really useful and uh, fantastic insight there into glute activation. Liam has actually also provided some take-home exercises, so make sure you head over to the FitPro blog and you can uh, try those out with your clients. Thank you so much for your time, Liam. No, not a problem at all. Thank you so much for having me. And I hope your listeners did get something out of that. And so, yeah, if anyone wants to come in and have a look, me to have a look at their running, then, yeah, I'm at Hatton Garden for 10 Health and Fitness, and we'd love to have them in. For more information about FitPro education and for details on FitPro membership and insurance, you can visit us at fitpro.com. We hope you enjoy today's podcast and see you next time. Thank you.